Welcome to C3 San Diego. Need something fresh, real, and powerful in your life? Connect with us on social media, get live stream service notifications, podcasts, and up-to-date information on upcoming events. We are so glad you're joining us for a powerful, life-transforming message from one of our C3 San Diego pastors. We would love to hear about how God is impacting your life through this ministry. Please share your experience with us at info at c3sandiego.com. If you'd like to be a part of what C3 Church is doing in the city of San Diego and beyond, you can contribute financially by going to c3give.com and choosing the giving option that works best for you. We hope you enjoy this message. Welcome everybody watching online all over the world. Fantastic. Amen. How good was the praise and worship team today? My God, it was like stepping into heaven. When we all get to heaven, we're going to just get there and enjoy and relax. Those poor people, they, they're straight on the roster. I'm going to see a vet. She, now she's worship leading here and uh, just do such a great job. Hey, give someone a high five. Tell them they are really, really ridiculously good looking. Great to have all the people watching online from Russia, from Ruski. All the people from Germany, willkommen. Ich liebe Deutschland. And Sweden and everywhere else. It's, it's great to uh, great to be here. It's great to. I can't believe the relationship series is already on its final legs. What? I just felt like we were just getting warmed up. And there's always there's always still so much more that we can uh, you know we can talk about and share. And but uh, just keep leaning in. And let me just encourage you. What I love about our C3 app is that all of the messages get posted up, and the the team do such a great job because they're posted up in the uh, series banner and you can just click on that and it'll open it up and it'll show you all the messages and, uh, you know, just lean in. And I, I find for me, I'm not sure, you know, what your teenage years were like, but I, I did some things that I now look back and regret with, uh, you know, things that people say, well, you know, it grows naturally. How could smoking that? But I found I killed a few brain cells. So, Sometimes I'll sit in a sermon and there are seven keys to, and I'm like, oh, sugar. And, uh, but I realized all I got to do is just get one. And if I just keep coming back to church, you know, if I get one a week, man, I'm already winning. And, and so you only need one thing. Just one word from God can change your life forever. Somebody say amen. So I've got four things today. If you don't get all four, just take one and just make that one your project and then listen to, listen to the podcast and then you can get a second one, a third one and always be working on yourself. You know, always be working on yourself. Uh, because, you know, sometimes we're, we're, you know, we're in relationships, we're waiting, you know, to find Miss Right or, you know, Mr. Perfect and only to find that, you know, if you don't like dating you, Chances are <laughs> it's going to be a struggle, but, but you, you know, work on you, work on you. You know, we, we, we want to work on each other, but I've actually found it's much better to work on you and, uh, and allow, allow advice and counsel and some consultancy. My, my wife is brilliant as a, she's her insight. You know, she could be a professional, what my husband is doing wrong consultant. <laughs> I mean, she can... That's not true. She's brilliantly encouraging. But I said that because she's not here. See how brave I am? Oh, yeah. Anyway, uh, let me pray and we'll get into this word. Heavenly Father, I thank you for these beautiful people. Father, and I thank you for your word. God, how much I love your word. Father, as we lean into your word today, Father, I know that as we lean in, you're going to impart. And that we're going to leave here today better. We're going to leave here today wiser. We're going to leave here today empowered. The scripture says, the entrance of thy word bringeth forth light. Father, sometimes we, we, we're trying to figure things out in the dark until we sit and we hear your word. And when your word comes in, it has its own illumination charge that immediately lights up our world. And we, for the first time, see clearly between right and wrong, between wise and foolish. And so, Father, I thank you. Let your word penetrate our hearts today. In Jesus' name, everybody said... Amen. Amen. Well, just to, uh, to kind of arrest your attention, the title of my message today is More Than Sex. More Than Sex. Now that I have everyone's attention, come with me in your Bibles to the book of Genesis chapter 29. Genesis 29. Just for time's sake, uh, I'm going to expedite 
verses 15 down to 30, and then we'll jump into 31. But basically, what has happened, the background is that Jacob, who becomes Israel, Jacob has been sent away by mama because he's just ripped off papa. So Isaac is, is old, advanced in years. He's lost his sight. And, uh, and he knows that you know, he, he may only have days, weeks left. And he wants to bless. He wants to impart the father's blessing onto his firstborn, Esau. So Esau goes out into the field to hunt wild game to prepare it the way his father likes. And then daddy's going to bless him. Instead, while Esau's out hunting, uh, Rebecca, mama, says to, to Jacob, come here. Uh, I'm going to get... I'm going to get you to go and get two young goats from the flock and I'll prepare them the way that Papa likes it. And then I want you to go in and pretend that you're Esau and you get the blessing. And he's like, Mama, I can't do that. You know, Jacob is, you know, I'm, I'm Jacob. I'm, I've got smooth skin. Whereas Esau is hairy. He's a hunter. You know, and so, so Jacob, you know, he was quite domestic. He, you know, he, he loved to be in the kitchen. Ratatouille. I mean, one day, one day, you know, Jay, uh, Esau comes in from the field and, uh, and he's like famished and he's like, man, I've got to eat or I'm going to die. And he's like, well, give me your birthright. And he's like, what? I'm going to die. You're making me pay for food. What is that you're cooking? Ragout de lentilles. Je voudrais. And uh, so he gives him, gives him, you know, and so he's kind of domestic. Whereas Esau, Esau's a hunter. You know, he's, he's a hairy man. Probably got a, 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 a schlock of red hair. Speaks with a Scottish accent. He's out there killing stuff. I uh, killed that bear with my bare hands. It came up behind me and I took it down, threw, threw it over my shoulder with a judo throw and then brought my elbow right into it. You know, I mean, he's just, he's just one of those guys. And so daddy, daddy likes Esau. You know, Esau's the braggy, whereas mama loves Jacob. And so, but anyway, so he rips, he rips, you know, his brother off, the birthright. And so when Esau finds out that what, what Jacob has, did, has done, he says, is he not rightly called Jacob the supplanter? He says, my dad's death is imminent. I'll wait until he's dead. But then as soon as he dies, I'm going to kill Jacob. So mama discovers this plot. She can see that. And so she sends him away to Laban. So he goes to Laban, which is his relative, and he's working for Laban. So Laban says, man, you know, I see the blessing of God is with you. I don't want you to leave. But, you know, I don't want you just working for me for free. Tell me, what will your wages be? And he says, oh, wages. Interesting you should say that. And again, this is the Jürgen interpretation. Okay, so... So he says, well, I've noticed you've got two daughters. And now the Bible says this. The Bible says that Rachel was beautiful in form and appearance. In form and appearance. The Jürgen translation is she's a little haughty. The Bible says about her sister Leah. Now, the Bible's always kind. God is always positive. The Bible says about Leah that Leah had delicate eyes. <laughs> Rachel was beautiful in form and appearance. And Leah had delicate eyes. Now, what delicate eyes mean, I don't know. Is, is delicate eyes that if you shine a bright light, she kind of, you know, blink, bl blinks a lot. And, and uh, or, you know, one eye is a bit slow. The other eye, you know, one eye moves and the other eye doesn't. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what delicate eyes mean. And, uh, but for whatever reason, Jacob was going for the beautiful in form and appearance. And so he says, I'll work for you for seven years for Rachel. And Laban's like, done deal. They shake hands. The Bible says that, that Jacob was so in love that the seven years flew by like they were just a matter of days. True love waits. Seven years, they, they fly by like, like they're a matter of days. But on the, uh, on, the, on the seventh year anniversary, somebody's been counting. And so he's like, Laban, give me my wife that I may go into her. And we become husband and wife. And, you know, he's been waiting seven years. No one can begrudge him that. And so Laban's like, oh, uh, nobody's really marrying Leah. There's not too many offers with the delicate eyes daughter that I have. And so, 
so he, he kind of says, well, you know, first let's, you know, throw a wedding banquet and a wedding party and it's getting later and later. And he's like, you know, time is ticking on. I want, he keeps topping up his wine, you know. And then finally he says, all right, all right, all right. You know, I know it's like, go into the tent, turn all the lights off. So, you know, so Jacob's in, you know, he's like, you know, the whole thing. Doing, you know, who knows what he's doing, you know. You know, who knows? I'm not sure what he's doing, but he's in there, you know. And, uh. And the Bible says that Laban, instead of bringing Rachel, grabs Leah, takes Leah over and pushes Leah in the tent. Now, you can't, you can't blame Jacob, okay? He's been waiting seven years. He's been waiting seven it's been a hard days. It's been seven when a man loves it. It's been seven years. Okay, so, so he just, you know, he wakes up the next morning. Oh, God. And, and, and he comes storming out of the tent. Now, he's mad. He's mad at Laban. What is this that you have done to me? And, and so Laban's like, oh, 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 it's not customary that. The younger gets married before the older. So I tell you what, if you work for me for another seven years, I'll let you have them both. So he deceives him. I'm going to do a message, maybe, maybe in the next series, called uh, Repeat Cycle. Repeat Cycle. I'm not sure whether you realize this, but you and I, like a washing machine, or a dryer can be on repeat cycle. And what I mean by that is, is you're not just born with your parents' biology. You are also born with your parents' dispositions. You're also born, you also carry within you the dysfunctions of your past. The Law of Attraction was a, uh, was a book that came out and, uh, you know, in a video series, and it's called The Secret. Shh, don't tell everybody, but we want to tell everybody The Secret. And it was based on the law of attraction. It was, it was misleading because it basically told you that, that the universe will give you whatever you ask it for. You know, but don't ask for anything negative because apparently the universe, even though it can give you, it can locate you and give you whatever you ask for, is not that bright. So, for example, you'd never ask the universe you don't say to the universe, hey, I, I really don't want cancer. Because the universe, you know, as benevolent and gracious as it is, will just hear, oh, did, did, did someone say cancer? <laughs> I distinctly heard cancer. Oh, that was you? There you go, buddy. Spread it around your family. You know, it's like, so, so apparently you don't ask for anything negative. That's a, but th there is a law of attraction. The Bible actually teaches there is a law of attraction. But let me tell you the truth. The law of attraction does not work with whatever you ask the universe, the universe will deliver you. The law of attraction works like this, that you will always attract to you who you are. You don't attract what you want, you attract who you are. That's why Christianity is head and shoulders above every other belief system on our planet because every other religion cannot pe penetrate the heart. Every other religion, to join that religion, gets you to conform by your outward dress by your outward liturgy, by, by, by uh, adhering to or succumbing to, submitting to a certain dogma, a liturgy, a pretext, whereas only Christianity says, come as you are, like Pastor Becky said, if you want to throw on a scarf, throw on a scarf, but come as you are, because God takes His Word and He puts it into the very, very core of your heart and begins to transform you from the inside out. You'll find that when you are born again from the inside out, instead of tragic instead of attracting negative, instead of attracting dysfunction, instead of attracting broken, instead of attracting deceit, instead of attracting those things, all of a sudden you find that because there's been a shift, there's been a godly change on the inside, you start attracting different things. That's why you talk to Christians and their testimonies, man, the day I got saved, this began to happen and that began to shift and this began to, to, to because you're born again of an imperishable seed. So Jacob ripped off his papa. He walks in there pretending he's something that he's not. He does a switch and bait with Isaac. And now Jacob is reaping. Now he, he's left his geography, but he's in a place where somebody else is now bait and switch, switching, deceiving him. Deceivers are easily deceived.
And so you, you need to understand, I needed to get saved. I didn't need to join a religion. I needed to get saved because the fruit of my life, the, the harvest of my life, the things that I was going to be attracting into my life were constantly going to wear and tear and bring me down. I needed something to shift on the inside. Thank God Jesus Christ came. He stepped into the world, shed His blood on a cross, and the power of the blood of Jesus Christ broke the cycle so that now there was a new seed on the inside of me attracting new things. Somebody say amen. So, so now... He's got two wives. He's got two wives. But he, never, he was never interested in Leah. He was only interested in Rachel. So Leah now plays second fiddle. Leah is now the other woman. Leah is now the one who sees her husband, doesn't look to her, but looks past her. He sees through her. I'm not sure... And again, I don't want to, you know, judge too harshly Laban, but, you know, to me, it's a father's responsibility to put self-worth and value in his daughter. For him to take Leah, and obviously Leah was complicit, but, you know, I'm not sure whether there was an argument, not sure there was a conversation. Nowhere does the Bible say that they schemed it together. Nowhere does it say that Leah requested. But daddy, when daddy came to Leah and he said, sweetheart, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to get, I'm going to deceive, I'm going to trick Jacob into marrying you, the, the, the shot across her bow to sink her self-esteem. The only way I can ever get you hitched, sweetheart, with your delicate eyes, is I've got to trick somebody into marrying you. You know, I've got to, I've got to risk it all on a one-night stand. And so her self-esteem is so low. You know, a, a woman, a mama, you know, certainly, certainly puts value and a level of affirmation, but, but I think father, a father imparts self-worth. You know, a child can get a great award at school, a, a ribbon, a, a medal, a certificate, you know, citizen of the year, or, you know, you know the, the, the class award or whatever, an A on the test result, and come home, and mama's just gushing, oh my gosh, did you hear what your son did? Do you know what your daughter did? She got an A plus, and you know, and, 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 and every, but the whole, the whole room is now intention. The whole room is now intention. Mama may be speaking 300 words. Papa doesn't need to speak 300 words, but the whole room is now intention. Papa may be sitting in the corner with the newspaper, and all he's got to do is just bend the paper in, just gaze in the direction Look at his son and say, you did good, boy. Proud of you. That little boy now rises up. He's got a big S on his chest. He feels he can conquer the world. So proud of you, sweetheart, to his daughter. And all of a sudden, worth, value. This is missing in our society. We have an entire adult film industry with little girls that never had a papa. They had Laban's, the daughter of Laban. Uh, in those, the daughter of Laban's are the ones who prostitute. The daughters of Laban's are the ones who go out and sleep with people who don't even know their names. The daughter of Laban's are the ones that hook up. Our job is to impart value, impart worth, impart self-image. So now watch this. The Bible says, and we'll read from verse 31. It says, when the Lord saw that Leah was unloved, when the Lord saw that Leah was unloved, I want you to notice it didn't say that, that Leah prayed a prayer. It doesn't say that Leah cried out to God. It just says that the Lord saw. The, mo the most magnificent thing about, about God, and I'm not sure where you are on your journey with God. Maybe it's your first time here today, or maybe you've been coming for a little while and, and uh, you're, you're trying to figure this God thing out. God is absolutely invisible. You can't see Him. But I've got to tell you, He can see you. You may not be able to see Him, but He can see you. And you will find that He doesn't just see where you are. He, he doesn't just see where you are ge geographically. He sees where you are emotionally. He sees where you are spiritually. He sees where you are relationally. And the incredible thing about God's gaze, the incredible thing about God's look, is that God doesn't look just to gather information. God is always looking to gather a move an opportunity to, to fill in. When the Lord saw that Lee was unloved, he opened her womb. In those days, to bring forth a son was, was, was like a trophy. If a woman could bring forth a son, 
when Jesus came, when Jesus walked the earth, he said, if any man divorces except for sexual immorality and marries someone else, he commits adultery. That was quite revolutionary because the, the Jewish uh, nation, Israel, had basically said there were two reasons for divorce. One was sexual immorality. Two was if the woman doesn't give you a son. How stupid that is is because it's the man that determines the sex. So if, if he keeps getting daughters, he divorces her and then marries someone else because he needs a son to carry on his leg legacy. Or if you know, he's impotent or she's barren, then that's, that's you know, divorce. And so for a woman to bring forth a son is, is quite... So the Lord opened her womb and the Bible says, So Leah conceived and bore a son. And she called his name Reuben. For she said, Surely the Lord has looked upon my affliction. Now, therefore, my husband will love me. The Bible says that she conceived again and bore a son. And she said, because the Lord has heard that I am unloved, he has therefore given me this son also. And she called his name Simeon. She conceived again and bore a son and said, now this time, now this time, my husband will become attached to me because I have borne him three sons. Therefore, his name was called Levi. And she conceived again and bore a son and said, Now I will praise the Lord. Therefore, she called his name Judah, which means praise. And then it says, and then she stopped bearing. So just a, a few thoughts as we jump into this. The first one is that, that uh, you need to understand we live in a sexually saturated culture, but you need to understand that sex alone cannot satisfy. Sex alone cannot satisfy the human longing. Uh, you know, if, even if you have a wonderful sex life as a husband and wife, 45 minutes a week, what are you going to do with the other 167.25 hours in the week? You, you, you better learn how to connect. You better learn how to relate. You better learn there are some other things. But we live in a, in a generation where the lie of pornography is it's all about the bedroom acrobatics and theatrics and everything else that'll make you happy only to find that it actually doesn't. So the title of this message is Beyond Sex. I want to give you the four things that, that uh, Leah names her, her children after because they're four things that will complete you. They're four things that every, every couple, every man, every woman longs for. There's something on the inside. And I want you to lean in because, you know, I learned this from the Bible. The, the Bible is the most extraordinary book. And I need you to understand that just like the Bible doesn't outdate itself, truth doesn't outdate itself. Some people say, well, you know, the Bible's a 2,000-year-old book. Yeah, but it's talking, still talking about things that are yet to happen. It's, it, the Bible still speaks with authority about future events, but it speaks about it in a past tense. Because you and I received the Bible... It may have been written 2,000 years ago, but you need to understand it was written from a place by a spirit who lives outside of time. That's why in the book of Revelation, it writes about future events, one world governments, a one world currency, a cashless society. It talks about future events that are yet to take place on our planet, but it speaks about it in a past tense. And then it came to pass before the throne were gathered. It speaks about things that are yet to happen as though it's, because it's already happened in eternity. It's just living it out. So your Bible doesn't outdate. Neither does truth. Truth is relevant. Truth is, inter tr truth is it does not date. It, does not, it has no expiration date. So when we lean into the Word of God, the truth of the Word of God is proven. I began to build my life or rebuild my life at 18 years of age on everything the Word of God says. And I'm going to tell you, 27 years later, as I began to build my life on the Word of God, or 27 years of preaching, I should say, on the Word of God, I found that the Word of God is extraordinary and will build your life. So the first one, the first one that we see here, she names her son Reuben. Reuben means to be seen, to be seen. It doesn't just mean to, to look. It means to be seen. Every single one of us long to be seen. You know, I can't tell you how many times my kids, you know, they're, they're riding on the street. Daddy, look, no hands. You know, and if you're talking to the neighbor, they're going to keep, they're going to, you know, keep lifting the bar. You know, the next minute they're going past, they're standing on the seat on one foot, <laughs> juggling chainsaws. Daddy, look, you know, you finally look. You know, it's like, and, uh, and if you don't look, you know, it's like, see, because they want to be noticed. They want to be noticed. Your, your spouse longs to be noticed. You, we want to be noticed. There's something in us. We, we want daddy to, to look. We, 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 we want to be seen. You know, I believe last week, you know, Pastor John had couples stand up and actually look into each other's eyes. And I kept getting all these testimonies. It was an incredibly powerful moment because 
in, in California especially and in the 21st century, we are so busy pursuing a vision. We are so busy making ends meet. We are so busy chasing down the dream. We are so busy, you know, getting this thing to, to win. We're so busy, you know, trying to get across the line. We're so busy trying to finish first. We're so busy going after that contract that, that we actually... We're standing side by side with our spouse, but we're looking straight ahead. And to actually just take a moment to stop and instead of standing side by side, look again into each other's eyes and connect. I honestly don't believe that you can connect until you look eye to eye. It's interesting that God made man different to the animals. Uh, the, the, way, the way that the, the animal body parts are uh, put together, especially in the, the, the reproductive areas, is is they, they, they don't mate face to face. Human beings are the only beings on the planet that mate face to face. Because God created you to look into one another's eyes. God created there to be a connection that goes beyond just reproduction. And there's a power in look. If you don't believe that look is powerful, next time you go out with your bride, have a look around the restaurant and see if there's any other cute girls. And then let her know that you find that one over there quite cute. You won't see your wife for three days. But after three days, this eye will kind of, the swelling will come down just enough. Oh, there you are. Oh, there you are, darling. You know, it's like a look has power. People go to, you know, art galleries and museums all over the world to, to look at, you know, priceless works of art. When you stop and look at your bride, when you stop and look at your husband, what you're communicating subliminally is you are a work of art. And the truth is, there's not one person here that is not a masterpiece of God. Seven billion people on the planet, yet there's nobody else with your fingerprint. There's nobody else with your retina scan. You're unique. That makes you priceless. If you're just a copy of somebody else, if you're a copy, if, if, if somebody else could open your, your, your iPhone with a touch, if somebody else could, well then, you know, you're, but no, there's no one else like you. There's nobody else. Seven billion people, there's not another you walking around that makes you a priceless work of art. And there's something about looking. Now, we, we live in an age where uh, comparison is a huge thing. Comparison is a trap that we can fall into. So we have in our hot little hands our, our smartphones. I'm not sure how smart our smartphones are because I find that I've got to outsmart my smartphone because... I downloaded Instagram so I could post pictures and, and, uh, and then you see other people's pictures. You're like, oh man, my life sucks. <laughs> Their life is awesome. They're in Rome. Oh! And I was reading this story in psychology today about this, uh, this young lady. And uh, she said, you know, she, she, with her work, would travel to Rome and travel to Geneva and London and all these places. And as she was, as she was traveling, you know, she would post. And so she's, you know, posting about here and posting about there and... Uh, she said all, all, all of her friends began to say, man, I just wish I had your life. Man, your life must be so awesome, man. And she, then she got a letter from one of her friends saying, you know what, I just realized I could never match up to your amazing life, so I've decided to quit. And then she's like, horror and aghast. She's like, no, 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 you don't understand. I'm sitting in, in Milan, Italy, and I'm so empty. I feel like I made the wrong career choice. I'm so unfulfilled. My marriage is a mess. But you can't tell that from the post. You can't tell that because we can put filters. We can catch the light at the right time. We can post the place that we're in Rome, we're in Sicily, we're in Milan, we're in Paris, we're in Geneva, we're in London. And it looks from the outside. The, 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 the danger of comparison. One of the great fairy tales that we tell our children growing up is Snow White. Mirror, mirror on the wall. Who's the fairest of them all? Why you are was the answer and the reply for many years. But all of a sudden, one day, a different answer comes back. Snow White. What? Who is this Snow White? I will dress and go and visit her with an apple. And the whole thing, I must eliminate comparison. I must eliminate. Leah lives with comparison. She lives constantly being compared to. Her husband obviously is going into her room at night. They, they are having sex, but she is not loved. They're having sex, but she notices the next day at breakfast, she's speaking, he's not listening. She's sitting there, he doesn't even acknowledge because his gaze and his attention and his focus is on Rachel. Can I just encourage you today 
that there is nothing more powerful that you can give your bride to begin with than a look. That, that it's one of the most important things to, 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 when you go on a date, put your phones down. I even found, we went out the other night and uh, uh, we went to some uh, Flemings and they were running about 45 minutes late. So we sat in the, in the bar section and uh, they had the, you know, the sports up. And the stupid thing about a man, a man brain is if, if there's sport, I'm just, I'm, if you said to me, hey, Pastor, what do you think of curling? Curling? It's the dumbest thing I've ever, but I'm watching it. Yes! Woohoo! Come on, South Korea! Wow! And I'm, and I'm into it. But I'm sitting next to Leanne, and we're watching this, and she's trying to talk. I'm baby, baby, ah, yes! He knocked up, they knocked it out! Woohoo! You know, and, so, and I'm just, because I'm distracted by the stuff. So then they come and they say, you know, your table's ready. And so we sit across from an, oh my God. Oh, where have you been? I was here the whole time I was sitting beside, didn't even notice you. And there's something about looking. One of the great dangers for men is pornography. Because pornography is a look thief. It tells you to trade looking, seeing your bride as the most beautiful. Seeing your bride as the princess making her the, the, the center point of your gaze, it has all these other ones who, who want to, to knock her off and they become the gaze. Look is powerful. The second one is heard. She names her son Simeon, which means to be heard. The, 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 there's something powerful about not just being seen, but being heard. They say a woman has about 3,000 words she needs to get out every day. I found... That's probably a true statement. For some, it's less. For others, it's more. But how it comes out, how it comes out. Some of you will hear us, and that was as good as an amen over there. <laughs> Thank you, Bill. <laughs> so you'll often see, like, Leanne and I, we, we have a coffee. We try and have a coffee, a little coffee connect every day. Now, you need to understand, I, I did not like coffee. When I moved here, my, my office was Starbucks and, and Leanne's like, oh, Starbucks, that's interesting because it's cheaper than renting an office. So I just had all my meetings in Starbucks and Leanne's like, but you don't like coffee. I'm like, no. She goes, well, what are you drinking? I said, oh, I'm hot chocolate. She's like, you're not meeting with men. I'm like, yeah, I'm meeting with guys and I'm trying to get into the church. I'm trying to tell them where, you know, and she's like, oh gosh, you got to stop drinking hot chocolate. I'll have a hot chocolate. Do you want to come to a merch? It's nice. You know, and so she's like, right, that's it. That's it. You are not doing hot chocolates anymore. So she made me drink coffee. Now, here's the deal. Here's the deal. I know we're like flat whites and Australians and all that kind of stuff. The truth is, it's not about the coffee. It's about the connection. It's about the connection. You know, Leanne and I would drink wine. And honestly, you know, her favorite wine to me is just like, it's like, you know, cough medicine. You know, no, shh. Don't touch it. No, no, it's, it's very nice. It's delicious. It's amazing. But, but for me, it's, it's, less, it's, less about, it's less about the wine. But again, it's about the connection. And so sometimes when the kids are in bed, we'll, we'll open a bottle of wine and we'll sit and we'll have a glass each because I know that she wants to talk. Now, here's the deal. I've discovered that if I create an atmosphere in the coffee shop or an atmosphere, whether it's at home with a glass of wine or out at, at, at a bar or a nice place with a glass of wine, the 3,000 words come out very beautiful. If I neglect the, those words, she, she, she can tend to, it can tend to, because of emotion, tend to come out nag. And we all know what the Bible says. Better to dwell on the corner of a rooftop than a house with a contentious woman. Better to dwell than, and, and so, so you, husbands, create an, she's got to get the words out. Now, let me just tell you, ladies, this is honest to God, true story. T.D. Jake said this, he says, and it arrested my attention. He said, a lot of women have never heard a man talk. And I'm like, the heck are you talking about? He says, they've heard them speak. But a lot of men, a lot of women have never heard a man actually talk. Because you're, she's sitting there with you or you go out or, you know, even like the other night we got out and she's like, so, like, what are you thinking about? And a man's response is, Nothing, which is, which is an enigma to a woman. 
They never are thinking of nothing. But a man is so either brilliant or broken, you can choose which one, he can actually master the art of thinking about nothing. He's actually legitimately not thinking about anything. He can just sit there and think about nothing and be happy. What are you thinking about? What's making you so happy? Look at you, you're, you're, you're happy. Oh, I'm so annoyed because today's Susan. And then, you know, and I went on the sale and the sale and then I had a big change. So, oh, I had a time. And so she's like, and, and you're just like, and she's like, tell me, what is the secret making you happy? You're like, nothing. You're like, tell me what you're thinking. Now, how can you think of nothing? Discipline. Push-ups, mental energy. I don't know how we do it, but we, we can think of nothing, which drives them a little bit insane. So, so I remember one time we're driving along in the car and I hear Zoe in the, in the back and she's been talking and Leanna ta- are talking. Finally, she's exasperated and she goes, you're not listening to me. And then I realized, oh my gosh, we've got this little life who longs to be listened to. You know, the crazy thing is listening, to, to listen means that somebody's obviously speaking, but it means somebody's got to be listening. To, to give attention, that's why it's called pay attention, because there's a price tag. It's, 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 something that, it's something that you ascribe worth to that I will pay attention, that I will listen. The problem with us men is we're not good at listening, we're not good at, at engaging on that level. So if you look at the story, and we don't have time to go into it, it says that Leah named the son Simeon. Leah named the firstborn Reuben. Leah names the next one Levi. Leah names him Judah. So Leah, Leah is naming the kids. Now, Jacob's happy to be there to make the babies. Oh, I'll volunteer. So he, he's all gung-ho with the making of the babies. But when it comes to naming them and raising them, where, 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 where's Jacob? He's, he's not even in the picture. But Jacob is so deaf to Leah that he doesn't pick up the clues. Because she's naming the babies the very things that she's yearning for from her husband. She's naming him Seen. Seen. To look, to pay attention. Hello. Okay, God's got me pregnant again. Obviously, this is not getting through. To be heard, to be listened to. That's not working. Levi, she's pregnant now with Levi. She brings forth Levi. Levi means attached, connected. Attached, connected. He still don't get... So she brings forth again, Judah, praise, to be praised. But he doesn't get it. She, she's looking, like we have, you know, the X Factor, the voice, American Idol. And as young people standing on a platform, young people standing on a stage saying, will somebody hear me? Will somebody hear in the melody? Will somebody hear in the rhythm? Will somebody hear in the harmony? Will somebody hear in my presentation? a worth and a value that I'm somebody and we're looking to a a, a label, we're looking to a Simon Cow. we're looking to somebody who represents the music industry to validate. We wouldn't have so many people that need to stand there for validation if they were heard in their home, if their voice was acknowledged in their home. You want to be acknowledged. Number three, oh golly, moving really quickly. Number three is, like I said, Levi, attached, joined, connected. One of the great, one of the great, uh, uh, atrocities of the 20th century was Adolf Hitler, Adolf Hitler's uh, desire to produce a, a generation, an army that were without emotion, that were without compassion. He was a, he was a, study of, he, he was a student of Charles Darwin and Friedrich Nietzsche. 
Friedrich Nietzsche believed it was possible to create the perfect human. Charles Darwin believed that evolution was eliminating the weak, producing the strong. Adolf Hitler believed that the Aryan race was this strong race. But then he began to, to go on a quest because he began to, to label these people uh, untermenschen, subhumans, and, and useless eaters. These were disabled people who, who required lots of care and food and housing and lodging and assistance and attention, but contributed nothing or little to society. And so Hitler says, why don't we just, you know, just exterminate them? Why don't we just get rid of them? And so his culture reacted against that. That's cruel. You can't do that. So then he began to realize, he says, is it cruel when a lion captures a gazelle? No, it's not cruel. That's just nature. And he began to realize that, oh, what is, what is slowing this evolutionary process down is compassion. So they did the experiment, not with the German babies, but they did the experiment with the Jewish babies, that he wanted to see if it was possible to raise up warriors who did not care, who just followed orders that, 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 weren't, that weren't crippled by emotion, by, by compassion, by empathy. And so they did an experiment where newborn babies were not allowed to be caressed. They were not allowed to be held. They were not allowed to be touched they're not allowed to be coddled. They're not allowed to be spoken to or comforted. They were just to be left to cry in their crib because he believed that maybe what makes them weak is the, the mama's nurturing and the mama's coddling and the mama's picking them up and the mama nursing them. And that's what makes them weak. And because they, they, we, 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 right, from, right from when they're born, you, we teach them comfort. And, and, and so that's what he wanted to do. The incredible thing is that they had to, to stop the entire thing because after about 18 months, None of the babies lived. The ones who did live, lived with severe mental and emotional disabilities and soon became diseased and died out anyway. And so they, they discovered on negative, negatively that human beings desperately need connection, desperately need touch. The, the power to take a moment and touch. You can have 101 Facebook friends and likes it doesn't, it doesn't replace one gentle touch, one caress, one moving the hair and the touching the face, lips on lips. There's something powerful about just taking a moment to touch. We, 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 need, we, we long for connection. People join gangs. People join all kinds of societies. I saw one the other day, the Alsatian Society with a stick of love is a German shepherd. I'm not sure if love is a German shepherd, but according to this... Alsatian society it was and so these people they take their you know their, their dogs and their dog gives them entry into finally I've got a community finally I've got acceptance finally I feel like I'm connected like I belong to something Leah is desperate every single one of us long to belong we had a we had a shooting in Florida and I don't want to get too much into the semantics but when you look at even Nicholas Cruz's calls for help he, he even called the, the police himself and said that he doesn't trust himself. He's got all these homicidal thoughts because his mama passed away in November and he's been dark and depressed and there was nobody around him. And I just thought if only there was a great church there, if only there was a great youth pastor there, if only there was a place that could bring him in and help him grieve and help him walk through, to give him that sense of belonging, give him that sense of identity. And obviously hindsight is always twenty twenty. but you and I desperately need connection. A great key to connection is what I call the, uh, the five love languages. The five love languages. Five love languages are uh, receiving gifts, quality time, acts of service, words of affirmation, and physical touch. Those five. My wife likes to believe that she has all five of them. <laughs> Except the last one. Sometimes she's like, yeah, I don't need physical touch today. Oh, but I do. I'll trade the other four for, you know, and so, and uh, <laughs> I'm in trouble. All right, the last one, we're out of time. Last one is praise, praise. She names her number four praise. I mean, surely now she thinks, now my husband got to say something. Now my husband's got to give me praise. Praise is one of the most powerful things. You, you need to create an atmosphere in your home of praise. The Bible says that death and life is in the power of the tongue. Men, the, the reason that, that we want you to come to Emerge is because Emerge is an atmosphere that produces transformation. If you study nature, you'll find that the worm or the caterpillar goes into an atmosphere. That atmosphere is called a cocoon. It goes into a cocoon, but it doesn't come out 
a caterpillar, it comes out a, a beautiful butterfly. The caterpillar doesn't sprout wings while it's on a branch. The worm doesn't all of a sudden metamorph while it's walking along the ground. It, it has to go into an atmosphere, an environment. The environment is called a cocoon. The cocoon is formed by what the worm or the caterpillar regurgitates out of its mouth. What it brings forth out of its mouth creates an atmosphere that produces the transformation. Emerge is a word-saturated saturated atmosphere. Leanne and I have decided in our home for her to be her very best, for me to be my very, very best. We don't want to speak words of death. We want to speak words of life. Listen to me. I honestly believe that so many people live below their destiny, live below their potential because they, they haven't created the right atmosphere in their marriage, the right atmosphere in their home, the right atmosphere. The Proverbs 31 woman is extraordinary. She considers a field and buys it. She rises while it is yet night, provides food for a household. She works with linen, scarn and, uh, linen scarlet, fine yarn. She works with her hands. She negotiates at the gate. She's in the marketplace, so the heart of her husband says, this extraordinary woman. But then you get down to verse 28 and 29, you realize why. The husband has created an atmosphere in the home where her children rise and call her blessed. The husband also, and he praises her. He praises her. An expression of praise is appreciate. When was the last time that you appreciated your spouse? The word appreciate means to raise in value. Every time you appreciate your spouse, they raise in value. You may be nagging him, trying to get him to fix that, that leaking pipe. But if you just appreciate his ripped demeanor. <laughs> Honey, I noticed when you put that t-shirt on. Yeah, I packed on. No, no, no. I, your guns. Oh, my, my, my guns? God, do that. Wow. When I look at those biceps, I think like a little thing like the leaking pipe is not. Go fix it right now! <laughs> look at me, honey! It's got a pump in my arm as I'm fixing the leak. I mean, if you want, just appreciate. Just appreciate. When was the last time you appreciated to raise in value? Your, your life isn't meant to just be tolerated, it should be celebrated. You know what celebration is? Like, you know, we have a celebration for your birthday. What we do is we move everything else to the peripheral and we make you the centerpiece. Don't just celebrate on birthdays. Celebrate your spouse. Celebrate your marriage. Celebrate your victories. Celebrate those things. Well, you know, I'm not, you know, really emotional. That's the kind of excuse. You don't have to be emotional. Be a leader. Speak. Because you're creating the cocoon. You're creating the atmosphere. You're creating the environment where things either live or die. Now, what's interesting is that Leah gets all of these things that she needs from God. God opened her womb. God gave her a son. 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 She gets all of these things, these initial needs met from God. And I honestly believe that our highest pursuit as a Christian is to be God's echo in the world. What she's looking for is seen. She's looking for heard. She's looking for attached. She's looking for praised. She's getting them from God, but it's not enough. It's not enough. If I just let Leanne just get from God seen, God heard, God attached, and God praised, it's not enough. I know we sing, Jesus, you're all I need, and God bless that song. But the truth is, even God said, it's not good that man should be alone. I'm going to make a helper. We need each other. We need someone who sees, someone who hears, listens, someone who connects, attaches, and then somebody who praises. Your life, if you can put, and there's six, but I don't have time for the other ones. In fact, I didn't have time for these ones. But, <clears throat> but if you begin to just apply, and like I said, today there was four, just apply one. Just apply one. Then go on and podcast and listen to a second and listen to a third. You know, our goal for you is that your testimony is not that our worship or our screens or our lights or the crazy Australian past or anything like that. Our testimony for you is, is nothing else than 
since we started coming to this church, our marriage, our family, our health, our business, our life, because the word works. And you'll find that maybe our preaching is a little unorthodox. It's because I didn't grow up in church. All I know is I got saved on a beach and this word began to work in my life. And I know that if I can just preach to you even half of how I heard it from him, I know it'll work in your life. I know it'll build your life. Amen. Would you close your eyes? I am out of time and I need to pray. Father, I thank you for these beautiful people. If you're here today and you've never put God's word first, you've never, you've never put God first in your life. Or maybe you're here today and you're saying, man, I need to lean in. Or maybe you're watching online and you're saying, man, it's, it's time. I need to put God's word above everything else. I need to, to put God first. Maybe God has been riding in the back seat. Maybe His Word is kind of in the trunk or maybe you've got a little place where you pull over every time I need something. I'll, I'll pull over here and I'll go through, drive through God, Word. But you're realizing today, no, I need to get God on riding up front. I need to get God behind the wheel. If that's you, would you quickly raise your hand and I'll, I'll pray for you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you. Who else is there? Thank you up the back. I see your hand. Thank you through there. Who else there? Thank you, sweetie. I see your hand. Thank you, ma'am. I see your hand. Thank you over there. Thank you, thank you. Who else is there? Thank you, thank you. Thank you over there. I see your hand, darling. Thank you. Thank you, sweetie. I see your hand. Anybody else? I want to say a quick prayer. I am out of time and I need to pray. Thank you, thank you, those ladies in there. God bless you. Once I've seen it, you can put it down. Is it just one more? Thank you up the back. I see your hand. God bless you. Anybody else? Love to pray. Thank you. I see your hand in there. Thank you. Thank you. In, a, in about 15 seconds, I'm going to pray a prayer and I'm going to get everybody to pray the prayer. And it's basically just a prayer asking God to be first in your life. God will never barge His way in. God is not a break and enter God. He'll never force His way in. He, he always is waiting for an invitation. But straight after the service, those of you that raised your hands, we want to give you a gift. The book that I was reading from is called The Bible. Even if you've already got, got one, let us give you another one. Because you may find somebody this week who's like, man, I'm trying to figure life out. And you say, hey, I just got given a, a book. It claims to have some answers and you may be able to give it away. Or it might just be an easier translation to read. We're also going to give you a book called Following Jesus. They're just our gifts to you because we believe this decision that you're making right now is so important. We want to make sure that we resource that as best we can. So while every head is bad, every eye closed, can we say these words? Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I want to thank you today. You so love me. You sent Jesus Christ, your only Son, to die on the cross for my sin. Lord Jesus, today I turn away from my sin and I give you my heart. Come into my life. I am your servant and I will follow you all my days. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for joining us online. We hope you had a powerful experience. We wanna take this time to personally help you navigate the next steps in becoming connected. If you made a decision for Christ today, need prayer, or want more information about our church, go to our website, c3sandiego.com. And if you didn't get a chance to give online during service and would like to contribute financially, you can go to c3give.com and click on the giving option that works best for you. We look forward to hearing from you. See you at church.